Hey, what's going on? Whoa, got a whoa, whoa, we're not supposed to look at that yet. <laughs> Can't we ever start a show the right way, like the way that it's supposed to start? Do we do we always have to, you know, start the show with a <laughs> I mean, it just, it never, it never goes right. Never goes right. Uh, welcome to tonight's show. We're, we're five for five tonight in the year 2024. I can very quickly assure you that is going to change. That is going to change very quickly, in fact. Um, but for, you know, for the, for these last five nights, there have been five shows and, and it's great. It's great. I used to do this all the time. Um, when I had a lot more time in my hands than I do, I, I was doing a lot more. And as, you know, life gets busy and more complicated, uh, it's it's harder and harder to to go live. It's easier and easier to just throw a clip up, throw a throw a a rerun up from a previous episode. Um, tonight I have another Sublime show. We're talking about Sublime again. I've been talking about Sublime a lot as of late, and I'm happy about it. I like it. I like talking about Sublime. Um, one of my favorite bands, and uh, you know, in the same way that we've slowly gone through misfit stuff and, you know, every occasionally we have a misfit show and there's something really to talk about. Um, that's not to say that we don't have a lot of great, uh, secret shows on the Patreon for YouTube members. Um, but we're not doing an interview. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. I, you know, I, I want to try to, you know, expand my, 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 uh, repertoire to some, to some other groups. And, uh, one of them is sublime. So we're just kind of, kind of, we're kind of rolling through, going through, you know, sifting through um, the band's history and mythology and, and this, that, and the other. I've talked I've talked before about how there's a similar, much like bands like the Misfits and whatnot, there's, it's like the West, there's like a West Coast sort of cult mythology that surrounds Sublime. And I find the whole thing endlessly, endlessly interesting. And tonight's topic is uh, one that I don't ever really see discussed or talked about online much. And, you know, I think I'm going to be asking a lot of rhetorical questions. I mean, not rhetorical questions. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions that I can't necessarily answer and will require uh, pontification. Pont pontifica pontification? Pontification. Um, <laughs> which is something I'm not not stranger to at all. I'm trying to share something on the thing here and I'm quite clearly distracted, but, um, I have a very interesting document that I accidentally flashed before. I, it's not the first time I've seen this document. I've seen this document before, uh, but I came across it again and I said, wow, yeah, that is something I want to talk about because I mean, I got, I got questions. I just, I don't understand this thing. I want to know more. I want to, it, it, it well, it, it, in a way it kind of answers questions that is assuming it's veracity, veracity. It's ver verifying that it is real, that it is an authentic document. So I, I want to start off by saying that it's a piece of paper that I came across on Facebook. Is it authentically real? Potentially not. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, we can throw this whole thing out the window, but it's still worth, it looks authentic enough that it's worth examining, examining and pouring over and making a making a, an educated guest based on based on stuff that we we know right something like that um the document in question is from 1994 and it's an agreement between the members of the musical group sublime and skunk records now you know whenever you know skunk records is the label that that 
released 40 ounces of freedom as well as the ziggins and would release other bands you know at the very end or later on or whatever slightly stupid you know, at the end of sublime zero i should say the skunk records is i think still technically going on. i don't know what the what the status of skunk records is today a lot of i don't knows will be had in this uh in this episode um but basically i guess i don't know this document is a representation of the partnership between on on paper or some sort of uh uh attempt it's an attempt at at establishing some sort of uh serious legal precedent for all the parties involved now you know in a way you know sublime doesn't really take off until they kind of meet Miguel, right? Like they need with once they meet Miguel and Miguel starts recording the band and then they 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 put out 40 ounces of freedom and that you know circulates and you know the band picks up more and more speed. They were a really great party band that needed to be recorded, right? And Miguel was the missing piece of the puzzle that was going to help them to do that. Like, but here's the first question I have to ask: like, what was Miguel? to sublime what was he um you know and you get a wide variety of answers or you know half answers or educated guesses when people attempt to answer that question in my mind personally from what i've read and what i've seen i i think it's uncontestable that miguel was the fourth member of sublime i mean he's the fourth member of sublime he's part of sublime you know um from not only just recording the band but playing on the records, playing live, you know, um, driving the van, doing the sound, whatever, whatever things that he did, all the things that he did. He was a fixer. He was uh, a manager of sorts. He was a wrangler. He was a caretaker. He did all of these things to me. I mean, that I mean, that makes him the fourth of all the fourth members. There's a bunch of fourth members of Sublime, right? You know, Todd Foreman, um, Marshall Goodman, of course, Kelly Vargas. You can't forget Kelly Vargas. But I think that that Miguel is in a weird, like, he's above that. He's like, he's on the next level, at least, I don't know. And, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't ultimately know. I'm just, like I said, I'm speculating. But his position seems to be, and so what I always wondered is, A, why didn't sublime why wasn't he more of an official band member you know in the way that the other three were and why um and how did things work out between them exactly and this document sheds light on all of those things which is why i want to take a look at it so let's uh without further ado let's take a look at the now now again quick quick fill in on history here brief very casual off the top of the dome, please, anybody, especially if you are uh, more well-versed in Sublime than me, please correct me if I am wrong. Um, Miguel was, I mean, Miguel was was playing live with the band when Bud, le Bud left the band. Uh, he got strung out on drugs and he left the band or whatever. He was out of the band for a while. Kelly Vargas and a few other drummers. There was, it wasn't just Kelly Vargas. I mean, obviously it was, it was Marshall Goodman. Marshall Goodman was the main drummer for 40 Ounces of Freedom. In fact, Marshall Goodman wrote, uh, as a co-writer, is credited as a co-writer on, on a bunch of songs on 40 Ounces of Freedom. Um, so you have him. And then after he left, 
you have Kelly Vargas, right? Kelly Vargas came in. So you had a, you had a few different, there are a few different people in the mix, but one of those people that was playing live substantially with Sublime was Miguel. He was on second guitar. He was doing backing vocals. He had like a little sampler machine thing that he would do, you know, then how do we know this? Because there's video and because, you know, it's, it's documented, it's known that he was, and then when Bud comes back into the band, I don't think there's a time where Bud and I don't know, I please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when Bud comes back in the band in 93 and that's when Miguel exits and he, and they, the band go back to being the, the trio that they were. And, you know, I've said this many times, what's, what's a testament to sublime overall is the fact that no matter what the state, you know, sometimes the shows were really sloppy and, you know, flying off the rails when they would play live. And some of them were, were tight when, when the band, when they, when they were sober, when they were whatever, um, or when they were, they were put together enough that they could just hold it. They could hold it down. But sublime is like a, a, one of those rare examples where like, you know, the music was, was still cooking even when Brad wasn't playing guitar. Like, you know, you, you think that, you know, Brad, you know, doing the, the rhythm ska up strumming thing, like, I mean, that's one part, that's a crucial part of the sound, but you know, half the time he's got his hands on the mic and it's just drums, bass, and vocals. And for a band just doing drums, bass, and vocals during those live shows, I mean, they were unfucking believable I mean, just phenomenal that they could hold it together. The rhythm section of Bud and Eric was so tight. Those guys had such a mental connection that they could do that. And then Brad, he's just doing his like whatever's riffing is is freestyling thing over 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 what they're over the, the the drums and bass that they're putting down. It's like already like they are they have this sturdy platform for a trio. But with all of that being said, all of that to say, all of that to say that ultimately. I feel I always felt like when I listened to like all the, the recordings that I have of sublime, I always felt like they could have taken it to a whole other level. Had they kept Miguel in the band as a second guitarist and keyboards and whatever else, whatever other periphery, the music, the studio music demanded it. And the live, the, the or sorry, the live encapsulation of the studio music demanded it. And, um, you know, like it, it's just, a, I think it's a shame, man. I don't, for whatever reason, especially when, you know, if Brad is like, you know, can barely play guitar, but he, he's doing his, he's doing his vocal thing and he's doing it well. It's like, there's Miguel in the pocket, you know, holding it down just like Bud and Eric, you know, but for whatever reason, that wasn't the case. And yet there was this understanding of this partnership allegedly with this document. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at what this document is. So here is our document. You know, make myself a little smaller, make the document a little bit bigger. Here's what it says. I'm going to read it to you. It says February 24th, 1994. So where is, well, here's something that's important. We got to look at the date. Where is Brad? Where are these guys in at that time in 94? I can't say for certain in February, but I do believe from 93 to 94 is when Brad's drug use intensified to a level where they were very scared that he was going to die. They were worried that he was going to die and uh, things were, you know, things had, had reached ahead. So that's kind of where 
Brad was at some point, somewhere in some shape or form in, in that period. Mind you, you know, I, I think that from 93 to 94, that's when Robin the Hood was recorded. And Robin the Hood is one of my favorite records. It was recorded in, in like crack houses and in, in, in tweaker pads as they're, you know, as they say on the West Coast and whatnot. It was a very uh, hairy kind of time. And yet for some reason, and, you know, not much is known, or at least not much is publicly known about like, you know, all, what exactly was happening, the interconnectedness. Really, what we can go on is what's told to us in the book from crazy, the Crazy Fool book. There's a bunch of discussion about, you know, Brad is really strung out on drugs and he it's very possible that he could kill himself by, oh, shouldn't have said that on YouTube, that he could, um, you know, unalive himself and, uh, you know, that, that things were kind of hairy. So that's where, you know, that's what I think of when I see that this is the year 1994 agreement between the members of the musical group named sublime and skunk records. The members of the band are so right at the top, the members of the band are, and mind you look at this Xeroxed weirdness. It's kind of off kilter. This doesn't look like, this doesn't look like it's Photoshopped to me. It could be Photoshopped. It doesn't look like it. It looks like a legitimate typed up document. You know, at the end of the day, a contract is really a, is an agreement where a bunch of people sign a piece of paper that holds up as a as a as a as a contract, ultimately. Um, and in this form, this is a very simple contract from the looks of it. It's a, it's an agreement. It's sort of a it's sort of, you know, writing something out like this. It's like establishing that we want we are this. We seriously want to establish the boundaries of what we are as a creative entity. And that's what I think is being outlined here when I look at this document. Members of the band, Bradley James Noel, Eric John Wilson, Floyd I. Ga IV, and Miguel Charles Happelt. Sublime and Skunk Records shall hereafter be considered synonymous and interchangeable. So that's very interesting. So this document is claiming that Sublime is Skunk Records and Skunk Records is Sublime because, you know, it's my understanding. I mean, when you hear them tell the story, they talk about how, what you know, Skunk Records was an excuse when, you know, they're trying to get gigs and they need to be, it, it made them sound more official to have a moniker like Skunk Records that I think that's in the actual documentary that came out that never came out from 2019, the one that was shelved. So these two things are kind of supposed to be, you know, synonymous now. So that's what this, this document is solidifying these two parties sublime and or skunk records exists for two reasons. One to perform music live for a fee. All monies earned in this matter shall be divided, shall be divided three ways equally and distributed equally to the following three band members, Noel Wilson and Ga. Uh, and these three only unless otherwise decided by the band leader. So, I mean, that's really interesting, man. Why? So why be a three piece live, but then not? Well, let me read the second part and then, then I'll, we'll deter. Uh, part two to perform, record, produce, engineer, manufacture, and sell music by any and all means in order to gain a profit. All money earned in this matter shall be considered revenue of sublime and skunk records. Um, 
regarding expose regarding expenses expenses shall so this is a this is a contract man this is establishing this is establishing um a, a precedent of what and how they want to conduct themselves in their business in the studio versus live but the question remains why are they a four piece in the studio and why are they a three piece live why is miguel not there live with them i don't understand that part i just don't understand is there some sort of um unspoken difficulty between them all i don't know i mean at the end after everything ended and long beach short bus at the beginning that was miguel uh eric and uh and but you know i've said in the past and i i mean i don't know if this would have worked but you know i i i also think in my head like you know what if they had continued on as a three piece but not calling themselves sublime but calling themselves something else with miguel kind of taking over the the frontman position you know um a fire hose situation basically after the d boon from the minutemen he died and a new guitar player frontman came in and met up with Mike Watt and George Hurley. And together they started a band called Firehose, which was very similar musically uh, to the Minutemen. And I don't, I'm not sure if they perform Minutemen songs, but the point is like, you know, Sublime was deeply influenced by the Minutemen. So you would think that maybe this, they would, some of this conversation would be entertained on some level. Of course, there's probably some, there's, there's clearly, there's politics that none of us are aware of, um, that prevented something like that from happening, you know, um, because again, Miguel is sort of, Miguel takes a bent. He, he basically gets benched as a live player, but he's continuing to work with the band in the studio. So let's, let's keep reading what it says regarding expenses, expenses shall, uh include retained earnings as well as costs incurred in the recording process except for labor so labor is not counted so the hourly whatever yes i've always said i've always said aaron i've always said secondhand smoke that would have been the name that would have been the perfect name uh glad you like the sublime talk you watch the other videos about the sublime good that's good secondhand smoke all the way man that would have that would have worked and and while we're here let's take a quick sponsor break with ride stickers. If you need stickers, ride stickers is the place to go. They do uh weatherproof vinyl stickers with a UV coating. And right now, the Frumis channel uh has a special sponsorship with riot stickers. If you go to riotstickers.com backslash frumis, you can get 200 die cut stickers for $69. Uh die cut stickers are are cut with a computer-guided scalpel, which needs to be a band name, by the way. I really think so. Um this allows you to have your sticker in whatever shape that you want. Okay. Right, Angus? Right? Am I right? Am I right? So um, so pick up your stickers today. Link is down in the description. Go to ridestickers.com backslash from us and get those stickers for $200. Did I just say $200? I meant you're going to get 200 stickers for $69. That's what I really meant to say. Uh, let me play the 60-second less than Jake theme song. And we will continue with our dissection of this document.
And that's a promise. All right. So we're talking about this document. Expenses shall not include the cost of live performance and or travel unless otherwise decided by the band leader. So they are doing, they are going to great lengths to basically separate and compartmentalize, assuming this document is real and authentic. They're going to great lengths to separate and compartmentalize who they are in the studio versus who they are as a live band. And it just does not make any sense. Um, expenses shall not include, uh, sorry, I, it's very hard to read this because it's very tiny print and it's really hard to do this with sunglasses. Why are you wearing sunglasses in a darkened basement when it's nighttime? Expenses shall not include the cost of all live perform. Expenses shall not include the cost of live performance and or travel unless otherwise decided by the band leader. Who is this band leader? I wonder. I bet we're going to find out in two seconds. The amount of retained earnings shall be determined by the band leader. All money left over after deducting expenses as defined above from revenue as defined above shall be considered net profit. Net profit shall be divided four ways equally and distributed equally to the following four band members. Noel, Wilson, Gaw, and Happelt. So Happelt, I mean, Miguel is a is a fourth member of Sublime, but he's never he's never qualified as such. In fact, he's not even interviewed in the 2019 documentary, which is a travesty considering how important his perspective, his POV. I mean, he is a third pillar besides those other two guys. He's the third pillar to be heard from. So the fact that he was, you know, and again, I, I, I'm assuming that there's some, there are politics, there's some sort of, there, you know, personalities and politics, they get in the way of these things and they prevent, you know, the changing of narratives and altering of narratives. Who knows what? Who knows what? I'm not here to point fingers. But the point is, is that Miguel is, is a fourth member of the band, but only in the studio. It also explains that why Miguel had so much skin in the game, even when he wasn't playing with the live band anymore, he wasn't in the entourage. He was, you know, he, he was a member of the band that just was not on the stage. I just, I don't get it. I just don't fucking get it. Um, regarding band member, Bradley James Noel. So this is important. This is so, you know, and again, who came up with this document? Whose decision was this? Is this Brad? Is this Brad making this decision? Is this Brad sort of, maybe this is Brad telling Miguel, and again, pure speculation here. Just want to say, pure speculation. I do not know. I am speculating. I am not sure. I'm not speaking as if this is fact. Ready? Is this document a means of appeasing Miguel or the other band members in a way where Miguel can be, can retain his place in the, in the outfit, in the organization while appeasing some other unforeseen motivation or reason for why he can't be in the live band anymore. And maybe it's just a really simple answer. There's just a really simple, obvious answer that I just don't know. It was always my understanding that there are like there are versions of songs from 92 
where Miguel is singing there. Miguel is singing the lead instead of Brad. Like he was really synonymous in the band at that point in time. So it's like, what changed? A, what changed? And B, is this document a promise to Miguel? Is this document a way of keeping Miguel involved, but, but also distancing him at the same time? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But it it really scratches the head to read it. This bottom piece right here talking about the regarding band member Bradley James Noel. Noel receives sole ownership and sole right to use the name Sublime and or the right to amend this agreement, including the termination or addition of band members and shall hereafter and forever be considered the band leader. So this is Brad when he is at his most, you know, or at, this is Brad at either coming off of, in the middle of, or about to dive into a, a period of, of being incredibly strung out because he would, you know, uh, and again, my chronology, my, my, my timeline is off. There were periods where he was sober. There were periods where he was not sober. He would go, would go back and forth. He'd get a little time. He'd, he'd lose it and get a little time losing. They went to rehab. Um, when, 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 uh, Troy became pregnant, he went into rehab and, and, and cleaned up for a while. It was always like a, a game of tennis, right? <clears throat> But this document is this, and and is this document? Here's the other thing: is this document the basis also for Bradley's trademarking of his of the of the band name, or so in tandem with this document, is there a trademark? Because when Eric and Bud try to play as Sublime with Rome initially, they there's an injunction from the Noel family saying that. Bradley owned this. Bradley was the band leader. Bradley has has the trademark. Does this document play into that in any way? Assuming that it is a real document. The signatures down below, I don't know what their signatures look like. It looks pretty fucking real to me. It looks pretty gosh darn real to me. Uh, but it just makes it all the more interesting. I, You know, it also makes me kind of happy because Miguel was such an integral part to the operation he was such a, a necessary and important aspect. Like, here's the thing. One could say the, the environment and situation that eventually led to the demise of Bradley Noel and the stopping of Sublime uh, also, at the same time, allowed them to get as far as they did. Because if Miguel had not been around, who knows? Who 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 knows what how how much they would have been able to function when they were recording sublime, the self-titled album, you hear all the stories about how Miguel was fixing the painting and, you know, doing this and doing that. You know, there's stories about like, you know, him playing him, him, him coming in on, on guitar, doing leads, this, that, and the other after Bradley passed away. That's the, 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 the lyric, uh, summertime. Is it summertime or doing time? It's doing time. That's Miguel who had to step in and, and, and overdub the part. Cause Brad, I remember that from the, from the legacy sublime self-titled uh, release from 2006, they talked about that. They restored, they restored the lyric summertime. I believe is what happened. Aaron says he's watching me live with my Friday night magic crew. Hello, magic crew. Is it literally a crew of ma magicians? Or is it just like your crew that happens to be magical? I, I'm, I'm very curious to know. Um, 
that's that would be interesting to know. Um, can I let me see if I what I can do here? I'm gonna put this really fucking low because so what I want to play for you now, I want to play for you some of the only video that exists. There's a few things out there that what some of the only video that exists of Miguel playing with Sublime. This is when Bud is not in the band, as I mentioned. Again, some of this stuff is spotty for me. I know I'm not exactly solidified on the timeline. So again, I just I really want to put it out there. Like, take everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, apart from my opinions, like the one I'm about to the, the one I've been saying about like how integral and how um incredible they were with with Miguel in the band, you know. Uh, what's up, Was Bang? How are you tonight? All right, let me uh let me let me cue this up. This is where I need a producer to cue this stuff up for me. Okay. So this right here is some of the old, this is from June 24th, 1992. And what really makes it like beyond special, excuse me, that's the seltzer coming back up. What really makes it um, so incredibly special. Oh, didn't mean to do that. That's what I meant to do. Yeah. Okay. We can, let's stop sharing the, the other guy real quick. There we go. That makes it better. What really makes, uh, what really makes, what, oh God, what was I saying? Okay. So this is a record release for no doubt. The no doubt they're, they're doing a show with no doubt. I think it's for their self-titled album. Uh, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, uh, public at least I'm sure behind the scenes, there's more, there's not a lot of, of sublime pre 1992 live. Brad didn't start using heroin until 1992. And that's when the band, you know, got a lot sloppier. And most of what was recorded of them is when Brad was on, you know, drugs or when, uh, uh, you know, when, when you had to contend with the possibility of a very drunk, very stoned Brad, whereas here he was a lot more clean. He was cleaner and therefore, you know, his playing was better. And you see it. You see it right here in this video, man. You see it right here. Aaron says, "Magic the Gathering players." I'm I'm an LGS for my store. That's great, man. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was showing my son how to play Magic. He was, we 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 got a deck, and I was trying to teach him about the mana and stuff. Magic's fun. That was a fun game when I was younger. Great game, great game. Um, that's cool though. The Magic Crew. What what's the what color? What 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 kind of deck you got? You got the black deck, the red deck. The or you, is it a mixture? Is it a red and white, blue and green, black and blue? <laughs> All right, let, let, let's 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 watch this. I'm gonna keep the volume low so there's no echo here. I hope this works. Let's see. We're getting ready to play now. Again, you can see over here. There's Eric. That's Kelly Vargas. His brother, Matt Vargas, is mentioned in uh, Greatest Hits. And it's Matt Vargas who supposedly recorded Raleigh Theodore Sakers. That 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 recording came from Matt Vargas, and that's when it all got passed around. Supposedly. That's what Eric personally told to me when I met him in 2005. I asked him, I said, where does that recording come from? He said that was Matt Vargas who made that recording. So uh, according to Eric, unless he's you know, whatever. Uh, and then you can see there's Miguel right here. And there's Todd Foreman. I shouldn't play this while I'm talking because it comes out all distorted. There's Todd Foreman. And you're going to see him while out like a white boy. It's really great. And then there's Brad over to the side. And you'll just hear how 
um, incredible they sound doing DJs. Thank God somebody recorded this because it just, it, it, it's tremendous. So that's actually the intro for what happened, but then they go right into DJs and it's just, the band is cooking, man. You're going to see Todd Foreman just acting like a white fool, like a white boy, <laughs> white boy dancing. And it's great. But listen to all the extra stuff that Miguel is doing live on the stage. He's doing that little sample bit. He's got his guitar. He's doing the backing vocals. He's a lot. He's free. He, you know, Bradley was always freeing himself up just to be the front man because Bradley was an excellent, excellent front man. But what, what was missing from the trio version of sublime that played live was this element that was filling in all the pockets that needed to be filled in. And that was a glaring omission from later Sublime. I, I'm sorry to say they were a better band. They were just a better band here. They were. They were. I listen, no, no, no disrespect to Bud and the trio sublime that occurred later. They are fucking great in their own right. I love them. Absolutely. Like no disrespect, but like this, this configuration was was tremendous. Just tremendous. They they really had their shit together. They really, really did. Sublime was always sloppy and falling off the rails, and I love him for it. I do. And I, like I said, I love that combination of drums, bass, and vocal. No guitar, just doing that, just tight in the pocket. But man, this this band with the with the extra live production, it just works better, man. At least for my personal taste. You hear what he's doing? That little extra that that D, he's he's playing that uh sort of bassier guitar that don't that low endy kind of little riff thing that's always missing from every version of DJs. All that shit is getting filled in, man. Right. 
I mean, I even right there, I stand corrected. That's just drums and bass, baby. That's just drums and bass. Neither one of them are playing the guitar at that point. Neither one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, fuck, man. You know, it's funny. I saw a picture of um, Miguel with uh, Jake and they were standing with Brad's old gear right before Jake was going to perform with um, right before Jake was going to perform with Bud and Eric at that at that positive vibes thing for HR. I can't even imagine what is like it, it must be surreal for Bud and Eric for sure. But like just something like. I can't even imagine what must must have been going through Miguel's mind when it like how he must have been so proud and just like I don't know just very it was an it was a great picture but it was I was just like the expression on his face he's standing with his 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 good friend's son his best friend's son whatever his his collaborator's son who is now a man the same age that he was that brad was when he passed away i mean what a what a head trip that must have been for him uh, you know and then you know, i'm flat you know flashback it's like look there they are playing together You know, I, I just want to say too, if if it wasn't Kelly Vargas, if it was Bud here now, like the, like you know, Bud is great too. Like Bud would have been fine in this configuration as well. I'm just saying this configuration, not them as a three piece. If it was Kelly Vargas, Eric, and Bud, which it was as well, right? Which it was as well. If it was them as a three piece, I would say the same thing. It's not about the players. It's about the the fact that they're missing elements that they need for the live show. That's it. That's the that's the that's the clip. I I think that clip really sort of highlights the how important how important uh, Miguel was live to the band. He just did. He just was. He he just was man. And uh, he he clicked and he vibed and and they man that was a great band. That was a really, really great band. And, um, you know, like I said, and then, you know, they would go on, they would go on to do self-titled and self-titled would sell millions of copies. I mean, altogether, Sublime has sold like 20 million albums. And, you know, I would imagine, I would hope, I want to believe that because he had, he was so instrumental in, in all that stuff because of this agreement, I would hope that Miguel is, you know, 25% of that whatever shares that they had as recording artists that 
Miguel was was uh, was was one fourth of that. How about that? I hope that for him, um, because Lord knows he deserves it. He deserved it. He deserves it. You know, um, and that he's alive and and sassy and out there. You know, to uh, to enjoy it. So I want to imagine. I want to believe that that is that that is true. You know, ultimately, is it is it any of our business? Is it any of my business? No, none of this is my business. But it's interesting when stuff like this, when this stuff surfaces when these documents surface that's just it's just a fascinating it's so fascinating to look at him so like the three things to take away from this document are one we want to separate ourselves we want to there's three things three takeaways here one we want to separate ourselves as a live entity from a recording entity both synonymous in the uh skunk records and sublime uh two um when we're in the studio, we're a four piece and we all split equally, right? And three, Brad is the uncontested band leader who can swap people out. He can replace people. He he is the, the head honcho. So I don't know, man. Very interesting. What are the reasons? We don't know. We, we already discussed what we thought, what I thought. Um, possibly to appease Miguel or maybe to appease brad i don't know who knows who friggin knows man we don't know we ultimately don't know but it's interesting none the least so uh let me know what do you think in the comments tell me what you think put it down in the comments i want to hear your thoughts that's it that's all i got that's the show so we did five shows five days probably gonna take tomorrow off maybe we'll be back on sunday for another one um just 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 starting 2024 off with a bang so thank you so much Peace, hair grease, never got into skank and pickle. Did not. Did not. Um, kind of like the original AFI. I no, I, I'm not, man. I don't know much about AFI. I really don't. Uh, so I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't uh confirm nor deny that that was the case. Um, all right. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace and hair grease. Peace, hair grease.